Welcome to Kyla's Q&A. I'm Justin Myrick, and recently my son Drake said I need new intro music. So let's do this. Hey Dad, how about some college questions? Let's hear them. Let's hear them. All right, we're live with our newest episode of College Questions. We're so grateful for you listening in. And today's question for the podcast is why do short-term missions? I'm so excited to have this guest with us today. This is a good friend. We met probably 16 years ago. Wow, that's incredible. When I first moved to Russellville, got a lot of love and respect for this man, and he certainly has a lot of experience with short-term missions. And so excited to hear his heart and for you guys to get the chance to hear his perspective on this. And so please welcome to the podcast my good friend, Kent McCoy. Kent, thanks so much for being here today. Dude, thanks for having me. I had heard about the podcast, and most recently I listened to it, and I am impressed with what you're doing with it. So I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you, man. We pray that God uses it in the lives of uh, our listeners. So that's fun. And so I'm excited about this question. And so what do you think? What first comes to mind? Why do short-term missions? Well, the the thought that I would have anything to add is it's funny, but I appreciate you having me come in. When I uh, for me, missions started when I was 16 years old. So in 1999, um, I grew up in First Baptist Church. And so um, this church in Russellville, um, our church has had missions as long as I knew about it. And so um, I don't remember when it came out, but Val Kilmer had a movie called Ghost in the Darkness. And so it was the in Africa, they were building a railroad, and it was the lions and all this wilds of Africa. And at that time, <clears throat> our church was working with the Maasai um, okay. in Kenya. And so the Maasai are a group of people, they're nomadic, they're herdsmen. Um, and we were in Kenya working with them. And so we had a group of people that had been going since the late eighties and the early nineties. And so when I become, became of age to be able to go on a mission trip, I was like, I'm going on the Maasai, mm. not because I love Jesus necessarily, because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about mm. the wilds of Africa and ghosts of the darkness. Mm. Well, unfortunately in 99, we had stopped working with the Maasai because the IMB had basically decided that, um, not that they were reached cause they still have, a, they still have people that are working with the Maasai mm-hmm. after 99, but they had moved on. And so, um, in 1999, I went to Kenya and it really had, um, I wouldn't say it didn't have anything to do with Jesus, but it was more the fact of, um, Africa adventure, two or three of my friends Mm -hmm. went with their, uh, one of their parents as well. I had to go with the parent. And, uh, so I was going to see lions and tigers. There's no tigers in Kenya, but you know, (laughs) lions and tigers and Mm -hmm. bears. Oh my, Uh, I was going for the adventure of it. It really wasn't for Jesus. So that was my introduction Mm -hmm. to overseas short-term missions. And then, um, for me, uh, I got saved when I was 10. And so I got plugged into a youth group and stuff. And so we did a lot of stuff here, um, in the States already. That was, uh, mm-hmm. either, um, uh, through our music ministry uh, as a youth or through our youth ministry. And so it just kind of been ingrained in me, mm-hmm. uh, doing missions, uh, even if I didn't do it for the right reasons. Well, and I love your perspective on so many times we do think, missions is overseas which it is that but we kind of um oh what's the word i'm looking for uh i always have a hard time saying this word is it compartmentalize where you kind of say all right missions is when we go somewhere else and then we always we never think about what to do while we're here with our neighbors with our coworkers, with our roommates classmates 
And that is so legitimate. Like, you know, when Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, that wasn't limited to a, a location that was, you know, make disciples of all nations, wherever God has you at that time, Yeah, uh, you know, do that. And so I think that's a great perspective. Now I would love to, for, you know, for this podcast, I think it is fun. And you do have a lot of experience of a lot of trips you've been on. So we want to say that like, absolutely missions is how do you do that with where you are? How do you, you know, share the gospel, open up those doors? You know, I've always said, I never want to bless a student going to do something for the summer that they never did during the school year, right? Like you want people to be doing that. You want the summer to be a continuation of what they've already been doing in the year. And I think that's a great challenge. And so let's, let's kind of think about that though. I'd love, you know, your perspective, you know, when you, you did how many, how many short-term trips, if we're going to talk about specifically the times you have gotten on a plane and went somewhere, how many trips have you been on with our church? Man, I, um, to Kenya alone, I've been there over 25. I lived there in 2014. I've been to Congo, um, been to Brazil. Were most of your trips about two weeks or were most of those? Yeah. So there was a time in 2000 something, three, four, five, where I spent two weeks in Kenya and then two, well, two weeks in Congo and then two weeks in Kenya. So Congo had been in civil war for a while. We went over there. We were looking, uh, our church was looking to go work in Congo longer term. Um, and so we were kind of doing a exploratory trip. There was a missionary that we knew from Kenya that had transferred to Congo. And Mm. so that's kind of how we got there. Um, but I've probably, I don't know, it's probably been over 30 times. What's or something. the, what's the shortest amount of time you've been there? And what's the longest amount of time? So we do a pretty short trip now for Kenya because I've kind of gone to a leadership position. And so it's literally, um, it's kind of like going, this sounds bad, but it's kind of like going to check on a business. So mm. we have a school there, we have some church plants. So we'll spend about four days on the ground and we probably have six days of travel. Wow. So total, um, time is probably around 10, uh, 10 days. And but, what's the longest you've been? Uh, six months is when I lived in Kenya. Mm. That'd be the longest time consecutively. But, um, you know, what I, year was that? Was that 2000? 2014. Okay. Yep. But what I, what I think's cool when I think, when I think about the, um, you know, why do short term missions in your question is that like, I've been meeting with a guy recently who, um, and he may end up listening to this. So we'll say, yeah, that's a great <laughs> say his name, but, uh, I've been meeting with him recently. It's going to be his first trip overseas. Um, and so, what it's what's allowed for is um, he feels the desire need to go, mm. um, and it's more of a um, building and helping medical clinics and stuff. Mm. But through that, we've got to, he's going to repair bikes and things. So we've talked about the will is a good illustration to do mm. that, and it's led into some discipleship and the gospel. And so, um, you know, I think about me as a 16 year old, or even before that, from 10 to 16 when I got saved, and there was definitely a um, it's something we need to do as believers, but it wasn't in the, uh, it wasn't totally in the, it was the adventure of it, I guess. Mm. It wasn't totally like super spiritual, uh, all about, you know, Jesus kind of deal. But th- what yeah. that's led for me in my life is at 16, something that was an adventure, mainly go to Africa, I guess you could say, has turned into mm. really a life deal of, you know, a significant part of my vacations are mm we're really almost all my vacation time is overseas and that's been 21 years later wow. of, you know, short-term missions. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a deal that, you know, when I lived in Kenya for six months, I, I really thought about, um, I had to think about, is this what God's calling me to do full time? And I didn't feel like that was the, what I need to do full time or mm-hmm. hasn't to this point. Um, but that doesn't mean that, 
his the gospel and his work doesn't and it, it involves short term, yes. long term, full time. So well, when you think about the I and think, even visiting you in uh, Egypt, you know, I'll we always talked about that. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll so get you, to visit you know about that. the couple of years and yeah, and technically, I've heard like people explain short term is two years and under. Which two years? I know before I left for two years felt like a long time, and then you get there and you realize how fast. I'm sure six months was like. Hey, I when I was like, when I was on a plane going, when I flew left Dallas and the plane was in the air, like I thought my life was over. Yeah, I'm it moving. is. It is interesting. Yeah. I, I thought when I went to North Africa, I was like, man, I'm. I you know, you just feel like your whole life's gone, and then you get there, and the first like two or three weeks. It is like an eternity. Yeah. And then there, there's like a switch after a few weeks where it just starts flying by. Mm-hmm. And then you get to really, you make it through the honeymoon phase where everything's nice. And you go through the cultural shock stuff. And then you get to where you just really love the life there and you really have embraced it. And yeah. then it's almost like, oh man, I'm leaving in two weeks. This is sad. Like I love it here. Yeah. Like I definitely and, and that was went a, through that. For you, like you're going to a brand new area. For me, I was going to a place You've that I've been, been, been there short term. So they talk about a culture shock and um, I had mine the year prior thinking about going mm. because it was actually something that had been a part of my life for 20 plus years already. And so, um, that's not true. More like 16 or but 15 yes. years, significant amount of time. Yes. And so um, all of a sudden I was having those thoughts of when I was thinking about moving, I mean, I was having the thoughts like, I don't even like these people. Mm. Um, what am I doing here? Uh, why would I even think about moving there? And, you know, it's it was a lifelong of short-term trips. Where for mm. me, six months was an eternity and thinking that yes. I was going to pick up and move. It can feel like that. So. I- I think, um, you know, we're onto something with the why there is benefit both. I feel like to the people you're going to serve amongst, whether it's the workers already there and just the people you're going to meet and trying to minister to. And then also, uh, you personally, man, can we kind of hit on both of these? How do you feel like, um, you know, if you think about a college student going, I don't know, you know, why would I do this? And obviously there's the great purpose of the gospel and the great commission, but on a practical scale, what are some ways that you feel like it benefited the people that you went to serve? And then and then we'll talk later about just you personally, because I think both are at work. Right. And um, but for how it impacted the people there, what, what have you seen some benefits? It could be from you personally or uh, just your group as a whole as you all have spent time there. What are some neat things that you've seen God do as far as a, a benefit of short? Because I have heard the argument of people try to say like, oh, short-term trips are not worth it. You know, why do that? You're going to go somewhere for two weeks and up and leave. Um, but I, I think we're both in agreement that that those trips can be extremely valuable um, if done rightly. So Yeah, so for us, it's, I mean, it's been a little bit different because we I've been in the same place since 2001. So it's short-term, and I, we're, the, we're the place I continue to visit where I also lived. So mm. it's short-term, so I've We've also established relationships. Our church has a, a Bible school. We have churches there. And so it's a little bit different because I'm not flying in and flying out of a different place mm. um, or a different city. Um, irregardless, um, which I learned is not a word, regardless, <laughs> the uh, um, you know, you're going in with the gospel. So you're telling people about, you know, Jesus Christ and you're telling him about telling them about um, what you say you're going to die for. So for me, um, a short term, I mean, it's hard to argue that a short term trip is not beneficial if you're taking mm. the gospel to people that don't yeah. know the gospel. I agree. Now with that, um, there's, there's obviously some, uh, culture things that you need to be aware of. And there's mm. some stuff that out of your wanting to help, you can actually hurt people by giving them things and feeding in this dependency culture. Um, but I think it's, it's, 
it's really hard to argue that the only way to do missions is full time where mm. you can build relationships because you are going with life, you know, for mm. them. Um, and then, um, so I think just that alone, our Bible school, some cool things are that people have left with a, um, certificate or like you could say a, co- mm. a high school education. Yeah. And with that, they've been able to get a job in their city, you know, we, wow. um, that they wouldn't have got, um, any other wise or whatever. Um, you think about the fact that, um, you're training people that are hopefully being disciples in their village or in their mm. place or in their church. Um, you think about, uh, people that were drunkards and they were walking the streets and people knew they were drunk. And then now they're walking with you telling others about Jesus. And, mm. um, we have multiple stories of people like that. And so mm. I think those are the things that, um, you remember and that keep you coming back. And, mm. um, you know, everything's not a warm fuzzy about the gospel. It's just not, yeah. sometimes you go and you do it and, um, you're like, yeah, there's a lot of people that accepted Christ, but you have all these questions of, did they really accept him? Mm. Did they know what they're doing? Did they, uh, was it really beneficial? They just heard the craziest story of their life. They're mm. going to accept it. And now you're leaving, you know? So mm. there's definitely um, questions, but you know, with that, you have to trust the Holy spirit that someone's going to come behind you and really water the seed that you planted. Yeah. And so, um, well, and you guys have had some incredible partners on the ground there, right? And some of those have been the drunkards that have come to Christ and are now proclaiming the gospel. But I think that has, sure. that's been a key piece. I know when we went to, used to go to Toronto for a couple of summers with college students. In the beginning, we went and we had great, I mean, Toronto is just so diverse. I mean, you go into the malls and you hear every language except English. Yeah, It's fantastic. And we had lots of neat conversations and gospel conversations, but for a few years, we, we felt like something was missing. And the missing piece was we weren't connected with any of the local church plants up there. And a really cool thing I noticed was once we got connected with those church plants that, by the way, were scattered all throughout the city, it was so fun because whatever city we were doing evangelism in, if someone was interested in who Jesus was, yeah. we could then say, hey, here's this church that meets right down here in this in this uh, school gym. Right, getting you them know? plugged in with the yes, local and body. Yes, so it was so, I felt so good about, because yes, I'm with you, and, and it, it even adds more when you can give them the gospel, and maybe they don't respond right away, but maybe they're curious. For them to have an avenue, then we could give those church planners their content, because a lot of times they up. would say, here's my name and number. Sure, hey, do you mind if I give this to the church, uh, the, pre, the pastor? Oh, yeah, that's great. And then they could follow up and call. That was really fun. And of course, now we have the same setup in San Diego with Jeremy and, um, you know, Dale Huntington and these guys where, you know, when we're there and we meet people in the city, it's so beneficial to have somewhere to point them even after we leave. Yeah. And to have pastors, we could say, hey, man, I had this really interesting conversation. You know, here's their number. They're really curious. And I love that. And I know I've seen, you know, that now I haven't yet to I've yet to go on the Kenya trip. But I, uh, it's been neat to see from a distance just the connection you have with some of the people on the ground there. And you can tell there's meaningful relationships that have been established. And that's cool, man. Yeah. I know that's... Well, I think if anything, we've learned as a church over, you know, we adopting a people group over the last 20 years is that um, it is beneficial that you either, ha- you either need to keep going to the same place so that you do have the relationships and establish mm-hmm. it. Or you do something like the Shores or the, uh, mm. we have a lot of partners in other places and that's yeah. partnering with them so that the work of the gospel continues when you're mm. gone. Because, um, I mean, there's a reason why scripture says that uh, we shouldn't stay like uh, newborns on milk and that mm. we need more food. Well, to get that more food, there's got to be believers that come behind you and follow up. Um, but, uh, I mean, 
clearly I'm thankful for short-term missions mm. and uh, it's been beneficial. I can see the benefits and going back. Um, but then also you, um, uh, at a minimum, you know that if you do nothing else but tell someone about the gospel, then how's that bad? You know, mm, That's right. I mean, I feel like there's three facets that it impacts. The people you're trying to minister to that maybe aren't connected to a church, not connected to God, uh, you personally, but then also um, the workers. Yeah. You know, you referenced when you came to North Africa to visit. I'll always remember that. And I remember, I don't know if you remember, but our... The only I thing that, I remember about North Africa is we got in line for subways, and you're like, you just got to push everybody out of the way. And I said, you're the bigger guy. You lead the way. <laughs> just kind of make it. Yeah. yeah. You just you just The no lines deal. And yeah, like, if you stay in there, you will not you will not ever get a ticket. No. You have to kind of And then there was some – I remember one uh, older lady at the subway, and you, uh, you're you like, we're going to protect her and let her get her ticket. So we kind of blocked everybody oh, out, awesome. and she was so thankful that. that's for really doing cool. that. But, um, yeah, North Africa is pretty crazy. I remember – our AC went out or something happened. It got real hot and our fan, maybe it was just our fan broke. I don't know. But I remember you walked in one day, you went and straight bought us a fan. It was such a blessing. My point is that I think sometimes people forget too, that why, why short term missions, man, it is such a blessing to the people on the field. Yeah. When people come and just hang out with you and talk with you and, you know, maybe provide something like a fan or something they see in. Hey, what y'all don't know is that Justin thinks that I was being super spiritual. I bought the fan because I was hot. <laughs> you were, you were, <laughs> and I had you the money. taking care of you, and I had the money to do it. <laughs> you were taking care of you, and then we just benefited. That's y'all exactly keep right. <laughs> y'all don't get the impression that I'm super spiritual. <laughs> you know, man. Yeah, I, but you know what's cool and what's funny? Even you talking about the the stories of you, why you went when you're young. I think it's neat in, in the grand scheme of things how God is is so gracious because even when we do things for the wrong reasons, uh, God still uses us, right? And yeah. He, and he and you and how and you even reference this, even though in the beginning you did it for the wrong reason, long term, God used that even yeah. that adventure side of you, He used that. Well, I mean, I, I think that's so. Really, I do remember. Um, it re, I mean, I would if you really boiled it down and said, "Tell me the truth of why you went," I'd probably say it was the adventure of Africa. Mm. I mean, I remember at that time we were doing the East coast crusade with the international mission board. And I don't know what the numbers were, but you know, we would say that like hundreds, if not thousands were saved through the Jesus film and stuff. And Mm. like everywhere you went, they'd be like, I accept Jesus. I accept Jesus. And you just kind of left thinking I left, I led 50 people to Christ today. And it was just kind of like a number, Mm. you know, but you know, I do remember uh, the benefit of a church that, um, was passionate about things like the gospel and discipleship and stuff as, as a youth doing experience in God. And so, Mm. um, I remember uh, trying to figure out, do I need to go on this trip? And, um, experiencing God says you, um, you know, God kind of speaks in three ways or, or affirms in three ways and one's through prayer. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, um, sometimes you can, um, he'll speak to you through prayer, however you want to say that that speaking looks like, Another one is through his word. He'll confirm stuff. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the, the third is that um, he does it through like affirmation of those around you. So mm-hmm. seek godly counsel. Mm-hmm. And so I remember in considering going to um, Kenya in 99, one, I didn't have three grand or whatever to go. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to have my parents have to basically pay it or the church was going to have to raise it. Plus, one of my parents is going to have to go as well. So that was a pretty significant financial um, burden yeah. uh, on us at that time. And so, but I remember having to go through that process of saying, 
is this what God really wants me to do? Mm. And all three of those things seem to line up that say, yeah, sure, go. So even though it was the adventure, um, I remember, I mean, that was a critical point of seeking God and learning Mm. and remembering the things that I was doing as a youth of how to Mm. um, verify whether or not God says this is his will Mm. or not his will or however you want to say it. No, that's good. And I think you're right. And it made me think that oftentimes when God does lead you to do something, it doesn't come without hurdles. And there can be some things like the financial part of it. You know, you could have said, oh, that's too much. I'm not going to. But, you know, you prayed through that. You paid attention. You all those three things you mentioned and it worked out like you were able to move forward with it. I do think that's worth just emphasizing that. I think we make a mistake when we think that if we choose what God wants us to do, the road's going to be perfectly smooth. Because I've known people who's like, if they make a decision, they felt like God was leading them to do, like, all right, I'm moving. But then as soon as a bump happens, or even or even a question mark that's unanswered, they like, well, I don't know how that's going to work out, so I'm, I guess I'm not supposed to do that. It's like, well, or or you just keep praying and yeah. paying, reading His Word and paying attention to the people around you and what they're saying, and in time, those question marks become clear. Um, there's a guy that um, we all know that was trying to decide one summer of what God wants him to do. And he, these aren't the choices, but they were the choices. So it's not the actual places, but he's like, I think I want to go live in San Diego and do a church plant. Or maybe I want to go live in Africa and uh, work with what we're doing there. Mm. Or maybe I think I should go to, um, you know, the middle East and do something Mm -hmm. there. And they're like, I just don't know what to do. And they couldn't make a decision. And I remember just thinking and telling them, like all three of these are for the gospel. I was mm. like, just pick one, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, all those line up with God's That's will, great. and uh, yep. you know, it's not. There's not really a wrong choice there. Yeah, so which I, like That's at the it. end of it, pick yep. the one you want to do. Well, tell me this, man. One thing that we had referenced earlier, but I didn't really get to hear from you. I'd love to to hear more. How has those trips impacted you personally? Like, what are what are, what have you learned? from short-term missions? What are some things you feel like God has really taught you? I know that's a big question. I'm sure you've learned a lot of things over the years with going on over 30 short-term trips, but are there two or three that really jump out at you? Sometimes it's hard to break it down because I, I think, honestly, I'd have to sit here and, and for me, um, I know I'll, I'll share this and, and while you're thinking, I, I, um, I feel like I was in a different place. Um, my first trip was to Taiwan. It was with this church. In 2005, I went to, uh, no, 2004, I went to Taiwan. And 2005, went to Mumbai, India, and got to go to Germany to see my buddy get married, and that was kind of fun. One day we drove over to France, because we're like, what do you want to do today? Oh, let's drive to France. That was kind of cool. We just went to the first city, and it was amazing. Uh, first city across the border. Um, and then and then really it was, you know, I just knew I wanted to work with college students that North Africa position was open it was working with students I feel like one of the biggest things I learned was you know that I have to trust that and you you may have seen this too on your trips that um sometimes I get to see the fruit of my labor but oftentimes there I did not and sometimes that can be discouraging you can wonder you know what what am I you know I'd have people ask you know about you know what's going and it's like well I've been reading the bible with some guys yeah you know, I'm, I mean, we're doing things and I'm praying through the city, but I haven't seen any visible fruit yet. Right. And I think just for me, that's one of the biggest life lessons for me leaving was 
okay, I've got to be willing to trust that God is at work even when I don't see him. Right. And that God is at work and um, and bearing fruit that I may not ever see to the day I die. And that's okay. I've got to trust that and be confident in that and not let not live discouraged, but live encouraged that success is obedience. Right. Success is not me seeing the quote unquote results I want to see. It's just being obey, obeying God and being yeah. faithful to do what he asked me to do and trust that he's bearing fruit. And that, that was a hard one for me, but I'm grateful. I think that would probably be my biggest one. I think um, that um, for me, there's there's a number, probably a number of lessons. One is that um, people are people are people, no matter where you are in the world, and mm. the problems look different, but they're really the same. So, mm. um, in some places I've been, there's a very uh, big dependency culture of one that's uh, kind of give, 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 and I'm talking about you know monetarily or you know whatever it is, and not really spiritual. But that's really that's because of their environment and the way it is, and then you can't blame them for asking. Mm. Um, and in the same way, like it's no different than people here. Like you know, there's a lot of people here that want things, but they don't want to have to do anything to earn it. Mm. And so um, I think people are people, and the problems look a little different. And if you can figure out ways to reach them with the gospel using um, where they've grown up or their culture. And, re- and make it relatable, I think that's a big deal. Mm. I think the other thing is is that I'm business process-minded, and so what I do now a lot in Kenya is very administrative. It's uh, planning. It's uh, how do we make something self-sustainable that seems like it shouldn't be self-sustainable. And the truth is is that when I go to uh, Africa now or Kenya now, it's not a whole lot of evangelism, discipleship. It's actually how do we make the school uh, continue on and how do we make it sustainable and how do we get more people to um, come to the school and take ownership of it and get trained and all this kind of stuff. And so mm. I think um, what that that's also shown that if you're sitting and you're saying, I don't want to go door to door and just, um, you know, constantly present the gospel all day mm. or, you know, witness or whatever word you want to use that, man, there's a lot of, uh, facets in the body and there's a lot of things mm. to do that are outside of having to go um, hut to hut door to door mm-hmm. street to street uh, whatever and do straight evangelism mm. and so um, and what's kind of nice too is when you do do that after not doing it for a while it become like you enjoy it even more so mm. um, I think there's a lot the 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 church and the gospel and the, the things you do looks a whole lot different that maybe it's something sitting out there that you hadn't even thought about that you could do in short-term missions to one benefit and encourage someone that's already on the field or something that you can do to um, just encourage the local believers there or whatever. So That's a good word. And I think that it's incredibly wise to, for someone who has not been on a mission trip, who ha- like we kind of have this idea and preconceived notion of like, okay, oh, to be on mission trip is to do exactly, oh, I'm going to be walking around, which maybe you will be walking around sharing the gospel, but there's many parts to play. I th- and it makes me think that part of the reason why going on a short-term mission trip is so that you can help discover your role in the local church. Because as the body of Christ has many parts and all the parts have different functions, you're right. Like when it comes to a team leaving, um, they're doing different stuff at, at times yeah. and that's really cool. And, and even in the times you're asked to do something that you may not consider your thing, there's still value in that. And you learn a lot in that time. Um, well, like when you're in North Africa, I mean, I'm sure there was, is there anything that stands out to you in which you're that maybe if you weren't in a dark place or a place to know the gospel, like, did you see the spirit move in certain ways that you thought, 
this is unusual or I haven't mm. seen it this way before. Yeah. So, well, one or of like, my, is there a story that sticks out? Yeah. Like for one, so one of my favorite memories was I was reading part of the sermon on the Mount with a young man and over there, you know, you, you just print off parts of the Bible and you just kind of, cause in the public square, you don't want to be reading like an actual Bible. <laughs> yeah. So we just, I would just print up the pages of the sermon on the Mount. We wanted to read and I watched this young man reading and we he would read out loud, and I would just sit there and, and, and sit with him. And I remember he was reading about the, specifically about where Jesus says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you one that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with his heart. And he, like, we read the murder part and the adultery part, and everything about that just he was in awe of. And he at one point stopped, and we had read, the majority of chapter five, but after he read that adultery, he just looked up and was like, man, I've never read anything like this before. And he was in awe of the word of God. Yeah. And I would definitely say, you know, that was a moment where, you know, God's spirit was, um, was at work. And that was really neat. I have an opposite side, uh, where I was in Alexandria one day and I was talking with a guy on a bench and we were having a great conversation and, and it, we started talking about spiritual things. His English was really good. So, uh, so that was great. And at one point he just stopped and his facial expression changed. And he said, your eyes are really bad. And, and I could tell, man, like speaking of the spirit, it was like the spirit was cautioning me. Just, just go ahead and get on out of here. Cause this isn't going anywhere good. Hmm. So I was, so I was like, all right. I mean, it could, it was weird. It was hmm. really weird. I don't know what that was about to this day, but those are two instances where one was a really cool thing. One was kind of like a caution. We're like, all right, yeah, this is weird. Well, there, I mean, so like I asked that because in Congo um, was probably, um, they're still in civil war, I think technically. Mm. And it's been 30 years at this point. Yeah. But when I was there in 2000, whatever, they had been in civil war for probably 10 to 15 years, I think. And so there was a number of things that um, it was just a dark, um, spiritually depraved mm. area that had a lot of occultish uh, stuff and, mm. ever, and other things. And so, you know, there's three stories that stand out. One is we were showing the Jesus film knowingly on the side of a wall that was a known cult in the area in Kinshasa, which is a city. And I remember um, showing the Jesus film. When you show the Jesus film, it's completely dark except mm. the film. Uh, the missionary on the ground, he says, hey, when we get done, they were starting making this clicking noise all around the crowd and he goes hey that's the sign of like the cult gang basically and so as soon as we get done and share the gospel circle up everybody let's get this stuff we're getting out here as quickly as we can and so um we're like kind of scared kind of what's going Mm -hmm. on so in the film when it goes dark like it's dark you know like you know there's no lights around um and so we get done and uh you know we (laughs) we didn't know what was going to happen well next thing we know guys that are like Congolese, for the most part, aren't really, really tall. There's probably, I don't remember how tall he was, but I'm going to say he was 6'4", plainclothes cop with a flashlight blowing a whistle. And he basically shined a flashlight around us till we got everything loaded. We got in the car. We were turning around to say um, thanks to him because he basically provides safety. He had a baton, you know, like you'd think of police. Mm. And he was nowhere to be found. So um, it was just one of those moments that – Plain clothes cops was unheard of, just the whole thing. So, oh, you know, wow. whether it was an angel or not, I have no idea. But yeah, that's one of those things that just would not have happened unless I was in Congo mm. doing a short-term mission. And there would be, like, crazy stuff, like a crow would come land in a tree and just be going, quack, quack, and you're trying to share the gospel, and it's, like, in your ear as loud yes, as possible, distracting. Uh, yeah. And I remember just we'd, we'd say – 
you know, in Jesus' name, let the, you know, make the crow go away and it'll just mm-hmm. fly off. Or a yeah, drunk cool. would be causing problems and you'd say, hey, in Jesus' name, and he'd mm-hmm. fly off. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just a lot of stuff like that that yeah. I think when you make yourself available for short-term missions, mm-hmm. especially in dark areas, which is where the gospel is, yeah. the you know, going now and has been going for a long time, I think you open yourself up to see him move in ways that you don't see every day, too. Well, and it helps you, you know, to your point of seeing, you know, when the scriptures talk about what is seen and what is unseen, and we tend to focus more on just what we see and hear and feel here now. Like, that's just what we do. It's hard to really consider the spiritual things and the spiritual realm uh, when you read these scriptures, like our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principles of the dark. I mean, it's, it's all, it's very unseen type of war going on. And I do you. I think you're onto something in the sense that uh, you're right, man. In these other parts of the world, and I don't know. There's different reasons probably why America doesn't tend to have that. Maybe it's because we're caught up in money and sexual morality. And I don't know what it is, but he, I guess he has his own strategy for America. But in other parts of the world, there is that. You do get a sense of that spiritual darkness, and it does. I think it. I think it's easier to to see that reality of yep. the unseen things. Do you feel that? And then. So when you come back, you do have a renewed perspective on that reality because mm-hmm. it feels like that's really hidden here. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I feel like it's that's easily to forget about because you're right, man. There there are those random things you're going, what in the world? I remember our first trip to India was really eye-opening for me when we went to the Hindu temples. Yeah. And you walk in one of those and you're just like, okay. There's probably something. something to be said too, like where the gospel has been a long time because even mm-hmm. in Kenya, it's been there a long time. Yeah. I'm sure that when... Um, not reached or unreached, but maybe when people are um, turning their back or they, uh, the gospel is not good news to them mm. or whatever, then uh, it's not that God doesn't move. It just he moves uh, maybe slower or differently than you see in a place that's completely yeah, dark where sure. people haven't seen um, who this God is or seen yeah. his power. And so it just it gets displayed maybe differently. And yeah. so, um, but... If you're not going somewhere or doing something, you yep. you're not going to see that at all. Well, let me ask you this: What if if you got someone listening, they've yet to go on a short term trip, and they're like, you know, maybe I want to do something like that. What do you think is the first step for them opening up a door to to be able to go on a short term trip? Man, I would just I would find something that fits whatever you um, like to do or hobby, whether it's a hobby, adventure, or whatever. Like, mm. figure out what that is and figure out how to make the gospel a part of it. Mm. Um, the uh i think we super spiritualize things saying i have to have i'm not a warm fuzzy kind of feeling guy i'm very um, black and white it either is or isn't Mm -hmm. so either i'm kind of called to go or i'm not called to go and if i leave with a changed experience then great but if i just go and i did the gospel and come back then i know that i fulfilled what god called me to do and yeah i mean that's what it's about to me so um if i'm if i if you wait for a sign or if you wait for um, to wake up on the left side of your bed instead of the right side of the bed miraculously or, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, the Bible to walk across the floor and you're like, yeah. it's probably never going to happen. Yeah. So um, because of how when I was 16, my overseas mission stuff kind of started, which, like I said, was really a um, the sense of adventure. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a very secular thing that you like to do today and saying, I'm going to go on mission for the gospel somewhere mm. around the world that I can do what I love to do yeah. and uh, be intentional with the gospel with it. So um, if you love the outdoors and you love to hike, like 
Himalaya mountains in China. I think the Himalayas are in China. There's a lot of places you can go with a lot of mountains that yeah. people need, need to know Jesus in very remote part of the world. Yeah. Like go on Where a big hiking hike. will be required. Yeah, yeah, do a big hiking camping yeah. trip and tell people about Jesus That's on right. your way and partner with someone that does it. And mm-hmm. so um, if you like to um, go snow ski, like I mean, there's places mm-hmm. all over Europe of people that have left the gospel that um, you can go ski some of the best skiing in the world and be intentional about mm-hmm. it. So. I mean, I just wouldn't ever, I wouldn't over-spiritualize it. Find something that fits who you are and how God made you and make sure the gospel is a part of that. And then go do that mm-hmm. and see what it leads you to do to where maybe you do do a yeah. um, two-year stint in North yeah. Africa, or maybe you move somewhere for six months, mm-hmm. or um, maybe you go full-time, but you don't know until you go somewhere yeah. and you don't have to make it a warm, fuzzy feeling. And no matter what your role ends up being, you know, the IMB is deep, you know, and I've seen other organizations, it's like the, the three roles to missions. You can pray, give, go, or send even. I guess that would be the four, pray, give, go, send. Uh, regard, you know, and I think in a, in a mix of things, we're all of those. But but you do have people who, you know, you mentioned doctors, lawyers, teachers. Or it's like regardless of your role, I remember before I left for Journeyman, they said this, and I thought it was really wise. And looking back, I've always remembered it. They said, no matter what God calls you to, some of you, you may be long-term missionaries. Other of you, others will do other a variety of jobs. But no matter what it is, you'll be much better rounded and have a much better perspective on life, having spent this amount of time in a different culture, learning a different language, doing things different than you have here. And that's I thought that was really good. And I thought, you know, yeah. for a student, I think that's one of the coolest points of, of going on short, short-term. Yes, it blesses the people there. It can encourage the workers. You can open up doors for the gospel. You're going to get challenged. You're going to grow spiritually. And it also, I think, just long term, as you've referenced already, it kind of benefits you in ways you can't really even describe in fully. Like it just, and every person is different, but it absolutely is to your benefit, no matter what you end up doing in life. Yeah. I mean, the guy, the the families and the, the men and women who are really good senders and who love to bless people and help like provide for a 16 year old kid who wants to go and says, you know what? I know this happened in our church. Like, the, you know, I, we want to pay for half of this guy's trip or all of his trip or whatever. How does that happen? Well, because those people who God is blessed to make lots of money have went on trips before and they have a heart for missions. And they have a heart for other people to have that experience. Yeah. And it just works out. They're, they're right. great senders because they went on a short term trip. And so I think that's a cool thing that it works out like that. And so, you know, there's, there's I mean, there's. I think we we talk a lot about overseas or full-time missions or you have to go overseas. But the truth is, is that, um, you know, you got to start somewhere. So if you're a guy that's like, I'm scared to death of planes, that's fine. There's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of stuff to do in the U.S. also. And there's also medicine that can help you make it on that plane. Yeah. Um, But uh, nonetheless, I mean, there's um, you got to start somewhere. And I think in doing that. Um, short term, which could be a day for that matter, if you yep. want to do a block party or something, um, that's going to give you a opportunity to live out your faith and to become hmm. passionate about the gospel if you're not passionate yet. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you. Do you have any other just closing thoughts, anything we didn't get the chance to talk about that you want to make sure you shared with listeners? Man, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. I, I uh, you know, I just, I'm a minor leaguer that uh, hadn't made it to the majors in full time. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, the, uh, it all works together for the uh, kingdom. And um, man, I just appreciate having the opportunity to come in and talk about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you. And I want to challenge um, you listening, just if you're considering a short-term trip, you know, remember those three things that Kent pointed out. 
Can't you may have to help me remember? I know it was pray, stay in the word, and pay attention to the counsel of godly people in your life. And you know, between those three things, I think you know you'll get um, you'll you'll know where to go. And certainly through our church here at First Baptist, I'm grateful for all the trips we have. Now we're in a unique time where a lot of those trips are on hold, but certainly when that door is open again, we look forward to students and uh, and others having the chance to really think and pray about how they can get involved. And so um, that's really neat and special. So we're excited about that. And I uh, just appreciate this time. And uh, again, we're so grateful for you listening in. If you haven't subscribed today, or if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. Uh, we've got more episodes lined up and we're excited to get those out to you. Until next time, I'm Justin Myrick, encouraging you to stay connected to church, connected to each other, and most importantly, connected to the God we love and serve. God bless. <laughs>